As states finalize their results, or find the ballots they misplaced or lost the sticky notes for, looking at you, New York 22, the debate over election procedures shifts from the concluded 2020 elections to protecting election integrity for the future. And while much heat and light, arguably too much of the former, has focused on voting machine manufacturers, less light has shown on the influencers that exploited the COVID pandemic to fundamentally alter how elections were conducted, often without due consideration of the possible consequences. Joining me today is Capital Research Center President Scott Walter to discuss one of those influencers, the Center for Technology and Civic Life. Uh, hello, Scott, and thanks for joining us. So you recently went down to Georgia to uh, discuss with the state legislature there this group, Center for Technology and Civic Life. Can you briefly give us some background about CTCL? Sure. The Center for Tech and Civic Life uh, is best described as the plaything of a billionaire. And I say that because last year their budget was about a million dollars. And this year their budget was $350 million, courtesy of one big tech billionaire, Mark Zuckerberg, and his wife, Priscilla Chan. Um, as far as we know, it didn't come from anything pretending to be a charitable entity, mm -hmm. but just from their checkbook. Uh, so the claim is that the f Congress failed to give enough hundreds of millions of dollars to local election officials to deal with an election in COVID. Uh, and now, with, with that, the expansion in mail and balloting, the some states expanded early voting, changed the voting hours, changed the polling stations, that sort of thing. Exactly. The the. Uh, one of the biggest reasons they needed a lot more money was because of the massive increase in mail-in voting, even though it's dubious whether that was really needed under uh, to protect against COVID, but it has always been on the wish list of the left because mm -hmm. it's much easier to manipulate uh, right. This is where This is where you get things like ballot harvesting, that the, the practice by which people go around, you know, people go around and collect ballots from others and hand, and hand them in. Exactly. So uh, be, um, that, again, was the, the excuse for all this. Now, the left, for many, many election cycles, the left has been pumping huge sums from C3 foundations into C3 uh, activist groups. You see, now, let, let's, let's mm -hmm. be clear. C3 is the charitable section of the tax-exempt code, which, among other things, Capital Research Center is part of. And one of the conditions of being a 501c3 is that you cannot intervene in an election. Am I, am I correct in correct. that? Correct. To assist or harm a candidate. That's mm -hmm. exactly right. That, it's the only type of nonprofit that gets a charitable deduction for when people give it, when you give it money. Right. A donor, a, donor, a donor writes a check to a 501c3. If they itemize their deductions on, the tax, on their tax return, they can write off that from their... From exactly. Their so to the extent permissible by law. We're talking YMCA or Salvation yep. Army or your local women's shelter, Churches. your church or synagogue. Um, those, those are C3s, and, and they get that nice tax deductibility. Benny on the principle that they're genuinely charitable and religious and educational and not political. So, but the left has been nonetheless using C3 money from places like uh, the Open Society Foundation, Ford Foundation, and other big philanthropies, mm -hmm. and then handing it to uh, C3. They're legally they're called public charities, so uh, you would think of them as activist groups. And the and this money stream has been. Uh, used for voter registration and for even get out the vote, busing right. people it's to the, the polls. It's the it's the the euphemism is nonpartisan civic engagement. That's and right. That brings up the next question. Uh, we you you and your and our colleagues have looked at 
Center for Technology and Civic Life's contributions, which counties, county election officials were getting these grants, and there was something unusual about them, was there not? Well, exactly. So the as I said, they've been doing this with just their own groups. This year, the thing that was different was, one, Zuckerberg's supercharging with 350 mil, what is more, usually more like a 100 mil operation. And secondly, the groups, in this case, it wasn't a nonprofit going out to do registration and GOTV. It was this one group, plaything of Zuckerberg, that was giving it directly into state uh, sorry, not state. Typically, county, uh, county yeah. and city and township. Right. The actual, and the actual, th- this an outside entity funded principally to the extent we can know by a single person couple, you know, corporate a single corporate person, Zuckerberg and Chan, uh, within it, you know, and they obviously have their personal agendas and their personal ideas about what how elections should be administered. They then fund the government that's actually administering the election. Exactly. That is illegal in a few places, but not many. Uh, so what we are now starting to do at Capital Research as part of our uh, enduring mission to follow the money is we are going state by state to see, can you tell anything partisan or nonpartisan in the results of the funding going into the mm-hmm. state. And I was in Georgia speaking to the state Senate, which was mm-hmm. curious about this. Um, uh, the very first words of the chairman of the committee when I finished my prepared remarks were, are you saying election law was violated? <laughs> uh, so obviously it made an impression on them. But in the, uh, we're gonna, next we're going to do Pennsylvania and then probably mm-hmm. Wisconsin, North Carolina, perhaps mm-hmm. Michigan, although Michigan has so has literally hundreds of little yeah, entities the, the that municipal, got it. municipal governments are dime a dozen over there. <laughs> Very small. Now, Georgia has the distinction of being the second only to Texas in the number of counties, 159 counties. So that also makes for a good statistical way mm-hmm. to check on this because they're, they're, they're smaller um, and lots more of them. So here are just a few of the statistics mm-hmm. that we uncovered. If you go to capitalresearch.org and look for Zuckerberg, you can easily find the, f- the full details, even our full spreadsheets. Mm-hmm. We we mm-hmm. share all our data. Unlike CTCL, which refuses <laughs> to uh, to disclose the amounts of money that it sent in different places, uh, we will show you everything we've got. So you can get more. But here's just two or three um, mm-hmm. for you, Mike, to, to show you the astoundingly partisan-appearing <laughs> results. Um, in Georgia. So now I want to say there's a fig leaf here. You know, if you are, were an election official and you asked for money, you got it. Everybody did. Mm-hmm. But the typical thing, would, as far as we can tell, was the $5,000 thank you for playing grant. Unless, of course, mm-hmm. you're a heavily Democratic big city. Sure, and then sure. you're getting millions and millions of dollars. Sure. But anyway, so in Georgia, it is true they funded more Trump-winning counties than mm-hmm. Biden-winning counties. Sure. So that's the fig leaf. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but here are a couple of other numbers. Nine of the ten largest grants, as best we can tell, scouring news reports yeah, and local government that, reports. That we, are, that we, because they're not telling us, that we can discern. Yeah, and by the way, they're not telling the Associated Press when it asks. They're not telling NPR when it asks. So they really want to keep this secret. And it is an outrage because a year from now, when they do their next tax filing, right. they're it's, legally it's gonna, obligated. It's going to come out anyway. <laughs> yes, they're legally obligated to do it. But for some reason, they don't want it coming out just now. Um, uh, so... Nine of the 10 largest grants in Georgia went to Biden counties. And then 
Another set of 10 counties that overlaps mm-hmm. but isn't the same, the 10 counties in Georgia that saw the biggest shifts in their voting toward the Democrat, comparing 2020 president mm-hmm. vote to 2016 president vote, right? Mm-hmm. 10 counties, biggest shift. And by the way, the average shift was 14 points, mm-hmm. which is, you measure that on the Richter scale yeah, in an election. That's, that's a lot. Four points is hefty. Yeah. If I'm a political, I could be a, I'd be a rich man if I were a political consultant who could tell my clients, I'll get you four points, I yeah. promise. 14's astounding. 10 counties averaging 14 points in the shift from, uh, toward the Democrat candidate this time, nine of those 10 got CTCL funding. Hmm. And then here's another one that we can have fun with. And that is the, uh, if you take all 44 counties, so note they only funded 44 of 159, so this mm. is a highly select sort of thing. Yeah. Um, but of the all the counties that they funded, if you look at their 2016 vote for president versus 2020, you see the Republican, he did some this time, did a little better, same candidate, but a little better this time. In those 44 counties, he got 207,000 more votes. Mm. On the other hand, if you look at the Democrat candidate mm-hmm. in those two elections. Mr. Biden this year got 530,000 more votes out of those counties. So mm-hmm. that's better than two and a half uh, times the boost. And of mm-hmm. course, the difference between those two numbers is over 300,000, whereas the official uh, margin for Biden's victory of the entire state is about yeah. 14,000, 15,000, yeah, something like that. Between 10 and 15,000. Yeah, I don't know what they it, finally settled on after the second recount. It's a tr- the point is, it's a rounding error almost to the, the difference in the Democrat vote for those uh, counties that got funded. So you and I have, have discussed similar things in, in the past. And this is a kind of a, this is a little bit different because to me, Again, you have you have this very weird situation where, again, an outside interest is selectively contributing to the actual government to do something that is fundamental and core to how we conduct representative democracy. Obviously, we conduct representative democracy by having elections, by uh, by people. Whether they vote by post, whether they vote by vote on vote early, or vote on election day the old-fashioned way. You know, they, you know, the casting and counting of the votes is how we conduct representative democracy. And then, but to have it funded not by the taxpayer, not by the public, for a core governmental function. I mean, I'm on the, you know, libertarian trad divide. I'm on the libertarian side. But even I'll admit that conducting elections is fundamental core government stuff that the government should do. (laughs) Um, You know, but rather than having the taxpayers fund it, and allocate that money and allocate what's supposed to be done through the electoral process and through the uh, constitutional machinery of representative government. It's two San Franciscans who made a billion dollar, who made many billion dollars making internet, who are funding it. And again, who knows what their, what their ultimate intentions ultimate intentions were, um, that doesn't strike me as particularly fair. No, the the left has really buried the needle in the hypocrisy meter this time. First of all, according to the left, all billionaires are evil, that they exist as an evil in our society. 
and yet here we are turning our elections over to them. The other thing is you make the point about privatize. I mean, it is a moral monstrosity for the left if garbage collection is privatized. I if, somehow if think there, if ballot there, collection if, ought to if, count. If you have a private school operating independently of the already existing, oh wait, they don't exist anymore, taxpayer-funded public schools. That is an abomination unto the left. And yet, again, here you have someone who can just roll in and drop on an immense sum of money on something as fundamental as election administration without any sort of consideration of statewide equity. Yes. No. If you want to talk inequity, uh, inequities in our society, that is a giant inequity. Uh, and yet the left has been silent on this. And this is consistent with how they've operated in the past. I mean, you mentioned earlier the voter registration funding, the get out the vote funding, the nonpartisan civic engagement. And as anybody who's looked into, I mean, you you can see sometimes even with if they disclose that if they're spend enough that they have to disclose their vendors. You know, you can see if the vendor disclosed for data analytics is Catalyst, which is intimately tied with the Democracy Alliance and the Democratic Party, and they're doing nonpartisan voter outreach, how nonpartisan is it really? (laughs) Yes, well, the other thing I should have said earlier is the leader, the founders and still leaders of the CTCL group, they all came from a little thing called the New Organizing Institute, which, according to the Washington Post, was such a wildly successful, oh yeah, voter registration, get out the vote kind of operation, that the Washington Post referred to it as the Democratic Party's Hogwarts of digital wizardry. So this, those this wizards. Was, this was before uh, Ms. Rowling was canceled. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, so the, the, the easy way to look at this is if it had been Charles Koch, uh, a libertarian billionaire on the right, um, if he had cut a check for 350 to uh, an outfit that was run by, oh, let's say, car- former Karl Rove political yeah, operatives. Yeah, American Crossroads operatives. And, and then they went and handed out the money mostly to uh, churches and rural counties that vote 90% uh, Republican, I don't think there'd be enough electrons in the cosmos to power the outrage at NewYorkTimes.com or CNN.com. And, and, and again, the fact that we're talking about that as a hypothetical is because it mostly doesn't happen. And you and I have discussed this before. The, the law here is murky. There, it's, not, it, it's kind of an airbud situation in the rules where, you know, there isn't a rule saying you can't do it. You can't do this nonpartisan civic engagement in such a way that anybody with two brain cells to rub together can figure out who's going to benefit. But as long as you're not explicitly partisan about it, you're fine. Um, But the groups that do this on the left, they're obviously not expecting the next lowest learner to come after them. Exactly. Uh, uh, being on the left means never having to say you're sorry. So <laughs> the, the real way that it, it, that it is traditionally operated is the law here is murky. Um, and so what that means is when, if a right winger ever got the idea of doing it, his lawyers would say, well, you know, that might be illegal. That's dangerous and possibly legal. Uh, and, 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 and even if you, even if it were legal, you might get third degree from the civil servants and NTEU members at the IRS. <laughs> yes. And you are more likely to get in trouble than the other side. Now, conversely on the left, of course, there's just pure shamelessness because their lawyers are saying, yeah, it's not likely anything's going to happen. 
Uh, so you have a, a it's very un, unfair uh, to use a fine left wing <laughs> terms, quite unfair. And so presumably the law ought to be clarified so that it either is just flat out. Yeah, yeah we it's don't a, it's care. Either, it's either prohibited or explicitly authorized. Because, again, if you're going to have the situation where liberal billionaires and liberal institutional philanthropy can go into places that have uh, historically less turn, you know, historically less turnout or voters who need to be reminded, hey, there's an election, you know, do the thing. Um now that they can go into their groups using targeted data, using you know basic knowledge of American politics, and give, do nonpartisan civic engagement to engage those people. Why can't people on the right, using the same provisions of law, go to their low low propensity low propensity uh, voting populations, low propensity populations for civic involvement, and engage in nonpartisan civic uh, nonpartisan civic participation. Yes. Well, I actually, I, I'm on the record with the AP about this because the AP called me about the CTCL grants. By the way, the liberal reporter completely bought my view that Zuckerberg and his folks are intending to do this. The thing that flabbergasted him was what we're talking about. He's like, so why aren't there right-wing billionaires doing the same thing? I don't understand. He, I, I, and to be fair, I couldn't help him understand. And I said, well, but I did tell him, I did make a prediction with him, and that is, you know, my inclination is for it not to be legal, but uh, since it isn't not, <laughs> since it's not not right, it's not it's legal. not in the rules that you can't yes. do this. So since it since it's so murky, um, I hope that there will be right wingers who do do this because I know all of a sudden there'll be a debate. Right, that, in that will that will bring to the fore good places like the New York Times and the Associated Press whether or not this is a good idea. <laughs> So, so, and I certainly hope, and we at Capital <clears throat> Research will be poised to pounce if any lefty in a great big $350 million mansion made out of glass is going to try to go after any conservative donor and uh, activist groups that are doing this with 501c3 nonprofit dollars. Uh, we will not allow that hypocrisy to go unnoted. Uh, right. And again, it, it's a very valuable thing. And I mean, it's, I, it's, it's a simple, it's a simple question of equity. Why do the low propensity voters benefiting from the democratic, from the liberal foundation largesse, why do they have more of a right to that than the conservative low propensity voters who are currently not benefiting from? Absolutely. Uh, we should have that discussion. Now, I won't, I admit, I won't traffic in discussion on the question of whether states should allow private funding to go into their own election offices. That's an easy one. Yeah. There are states that forbid that. A friend of mine has fine ledge language for anybody who <laughs> wants to put it into their state laws. I hope that that will happen. One good thing of the badness of this election mess is that Americans have gotten quite an education on what messes mm -hmm. our electoral processes are, and there ought to be lots of discussion about ways to make them better and more equitable. Indeed. Uh, well, Scott, thank you for joining us. That's our show for this week. We encourage you to subscribe on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. And if you have subscribed, thank you. And please leave us a five-star rating. We'll see you next week.